Lord, I just pray that you would uh, make known your truth this morning. I pray that your truth would be received. Uh, I, I pray that, that what we see this morning of you um, would be, would be life-changing. Um, Lord, as we expect every time we enter your presence, I pray that your presence would move us from where we are to where you have us. Uh, Lord, that we may not enter this casually, but we may know that you are here with us. And if you are here with us, then you have something for us. Then you, then you desire for us to move from where we are to where you have us uh, to be. And we just accept that, receive that, and pray that your truth would shine on our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's where we're going. Now, listen, uh, Revive is tomorrow night, and I am going to teach this piece in depth, okay? So I'm not going to teach it now. I'm going to... This is kind of backwards. I'm just going to skim it, and I'm going to teach it in depth tomorrow. This is a huge, huge, huge piece of everything that we will do. Um, you, you, this is a key understanding in Scripture um, and in how, how we are, uh, and I'm going to teach it in depth tomorrow. So um, please, uh, if I just I think if it will all make sense. Things will begin to make a lot more sense as we begin to uh, dialogue, uh, you know, intimacy with the Lord, hearing from the Lord, walking in the Lord, d- denying our flesh. All of these things that we're going to talk about is going to make sense framed in this context. So here it is quickly. Every human being is three parts. Before salvation, we ha- our spirit is dead. This, this is our connection with God. This is, this is what... Um, God is spirit. He will be worshipped in spirit and truth. We know that Jesus lives in our hearts when we become saved, right? You've heard this, this terminology, right? Give me some nods. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is where the Lord takes up residence in us. This is where his Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, right? It, three parts, okay? Our body is our physical nature. It's what hurts when we pinch it. Okay, uh, our soul is our mind and our emotions. These two together are what we call the flesh. Scripture says that our flesh is at enmity with our spirit and our spirit against our flesh. Why is this? Because our flesh has ruled and reigned in our lives, all, all of our lives, until this moment where we introduce this, uh, this God into our, our lives, and all of a sudden we're saying, no, we want to be obedient to the spirit and not not any longer to the flesh. In our flesh is where we react. Uh, we're a constant reaction. Well, it's, it's uh, anyway, I'm going to go too much into this. I'll teach this on Monday. Here's the deal. Understanding this is, is crucial. What we need to see uh, today is that we are, as Christians, when we, when we enter into relationship with God by the blood of Jesus, we, this becomes alive. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and this is now our new nature. We are not to be controlled here anymore. Uh, Paul talks about it uh, at, in depth in some scripture we're going to look at, but all, all, a lot of Romans 8 is about um, this fight between flesh and spirit, okay? A lot of times these are confused uh, and swapped. Uh, they're not. They're different things, and we'll, I'll show you all of that um, on Monday. But here's what we want to do. This, on Sunday mornings, I'm talking about, uh, I'm really looking at a, a at Jesus's life uh, in terms of, of things that happen culturally that we often miss. We, we looked at uh, his, his title as rabbi, what that means for us as disciple. We did that a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, this morning, we're going to look at what's called uh, adoption. Now, we have, a, we have an understanding of adoption based on our culture. Well, here, remember what we said, we've got we've to get back into, into right context, right? We've got to understand the context in which this, uh, this was all spoken, uh, because if we take Jesus from a Western mindset, we're going to miss some powerful things that occurred, right? Does this make sense? Yeah, we need context. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to frame context. I want you to go to Matthew uh, chapter 3. 
And before we, before we start that, I want, you to put, I want you to stay in Matthew chapter 3. I want to explain something uh, to you. All, all cultures, uh, most all cultures throughout history have had something similar to this moment. Some way of bringing a boy from boyhood into manhood. Right? There, there, it's across the board. Every, every different culture has had a different way of dealing with it. But, but every culture has, has had some system of bringing uh, a boy into a man. Uh, at least every healthy culture has. And I think that a lot of the reason you see a decline in some of our culture is the fact that we have failed to do this. Boys don't know how to become men. This is another day. But, um, but this was very significant both in Jewish culture and in Greek culture culture, Greek-Roman culture. Do you, you understand this? So we have both of these at play while Jesus is, uh, is in the flesh, right? You know this? Right. Okay. So um, what would happen is uh, a father, and, and again, this is the, the, the ceremonies are very similar in Jewish culture and in this, in this Roman culture, but what would happen is there would be a day, either appointed by age or by uh, the father, in, in the Roman culture it was by the father's uh, observance, but Jewish culture it was a lot more about age, there would be a day where there would be a ceremony where a boy would become a man. And this, this, this is often called, uh, and in Scripture, uh, in, in the Greek, when we read uh, in the Greek and we see this phrase, adoption of sons, it's a strange phrase, right? We, we look at that and we go, wait a minute, adoption is when somebody who wasn't in your family becomes part of your family. This is not the understanding of this culture. This is not what's practiced uh, by this culture. What would happen is a father on a selected day, a father would take his son into public, and it's a public adoption of an existing son. So if, uh, Jonathan, if, if, you were, if you were my son, I would, there would be a day where I would see maturity in you. And I would go, okay, he's ready. And I would take you into a, into a public place, and I would present you before the rest of the community. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm giving all of what's mine to him. I am allowing him in this moment to, uh, once this is completed, he has all authority that I have. And what I would do is I would, is I would present him by saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In the Roman culture, they would, uh, at this point, the son or, uh, or the daughter, uh, and in Roman culture, we see this with the daughter as well, but they would bring their favorite childhood toy. Uh, you know, a teddy bear or, you know, whatever it was during that, during that time, they would bring their favorite childhood toy and they would give that childhood toy over to uh, the father, signifying, I'm, you know, the childish things are done and I'm ready to receive the, the adult things. Uh, and what was oftentimes given, uh, especially in Roman culture, uh, it was given a, a ring. So I would give you a ring and on that ring would be the family uh, crest or, or name or how, however that looked. And what that ring allowed you to do, that's essentially my signature. See, the way that they bound things, the way that they signed things was not by signing their name, it was by a stamp. It was by putting this, this stamp of approval on whatever it was that they were binding. And what this did is that I, I gave this ring to my son and I said, okay, this is, I, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He now can do all business in my name. Anything that he does, 
It's essentially exactly like me doing it. Does this make sense? This is an extremely significant, significant moment. Anything that he now does is, is, uh, is, is binding to me also. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? I mean, this is a huge, this is a huge step, right? You don't just give a, a, a nine-year-old a credit card. Why not? Who knows what's going to end up on the credit card, Right? Right? My son, this is crazy. My son has already rented a movie on iTunes. He's not one yet. He just started pushing buttons, and we were like, oh my goodness, he rented, he rented a movie. But there's no way I would just hand him the controls, right? Because who knows what would happen? How many movies would he rent accidentally? How many things would occur? Uh, because he's not mature enough, right? This was a moment of maturity. This was an incredible moment for a son or a daughter to receive from their father because what their father was saying is, I now see all the qualities in you that are needed for you to act in my name. This is a tremendous leap of, of faith, but not really. This is, a, this is a, uh, a commentary on the maturity seen in the son. Now, when I said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, how many of you had a scripture pop in your mind? You're like, wait a minute, I have heard that before. (laughs) And we're in Matthew 3, and I want to show you this. This is really cool. At this point, Jesus is, he's around 30, okay? And we see, and we can go into this story in depth. I'm going to keep to my schedule. But um, at this point, Jesus is about to be baptized by his uh, forerunner, John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is the one that came saying, this guy's coming. The Messiah is coming. Make yourselves ready. I'm going to baptize in water, but he's going to baptize you with water and the Spirit, right? John the Baptist is making ready this time uh, for Jesus to come. And Jesus comes, and Jesus is obedient. This is cool. Jesus is obedient in baptism because John says, look, man, I can't not baptize you. And Jesus, Jesus makes this say, statement in uh, verse 15 of chapter 3. He says, permitted at this time, for in this way it is fitting to, for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. In verse 16, here we go. You ready? After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then look at the very next verse. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What is this immediate quality that we see? First, we see heaven open, and we see the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus. And then there's this, there's this moment of recognition, right? At 30, guess what? Jesus starts his public ministry. There is no evidence of Jesus performing any miracle or doing anything public until this point. Is it because he wasn't able? No. Jesus was without sin, right? We, we, we know that Jesus, in his, uh, in his sinlessness was probably well able to, to perform a miracle, right? But it, this wasn't about, to Jesus, this wasn't about what he could do. This was about obedience to the Father. That's why he said to John, look, you've got you've to do this to fulfill all righteousness. 
Because Jesus is not worried about what he can do. He's worried about what he sees his father doing. That's all that Jesus cares about is obedience, 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 right? So this is a step of obedience when Jesus becomes baptized. And we see then that this quality of maturity in Jesus is what? He was led by the Spirit. Immediately after this declaration of God to the Son that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, he he sets him apart in this moment publicly, right? It said a voice from heaven was heard. This is God the Father saying, this is my Son, and anything he does in my name, it is as if I was doing it, right? Do you see this? This is huge because Jesus says over and over when people question him, he says, the works that I do are not my own. These are the works of the Father, right? Why can he say that? Because he has the authority of the Father to complete those works in obedience. This is, a, this is, this is big. We've got to wrap our minds around what Jesus did because Jesus submitted everything fully all the time to the Father. And in that statement, he was led by the Spirit. We understand how that occurred. So does it mean anything for us? Or do we just see a cool moment with Jesus? I, I mean, essentially, if, if that's it, it's like, wow, that was really neat. And I would dismiss you, but um, I have 18 minutes left. <laughs> Go to Romans 8. Now, a, a lot of times in... Uh, and, and this is why you, you've got to do your own digging. You've got to do your own, your own research. You've got, to, uh, you've got to really examine this word because a lot of times we miss things. Like I said, one, just culturally, and, and another, another barrier in it is, is, is language. A lot of times in, in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, uh, we see this word sons, and we get in our mind this picture of a child. Well, in, in the Greek, and I'm not going to go all the way into it, but in the Greek, there, there are several words uh, to denote a, a child, right? The, the one that we're about to read here uh, is not one of them. The one that we're about to read here denotes a son, and it's, and it's a son in maturity. This is, if somebody in the Greek were to speak this word, you would not recognize it as, their, as, as, uh, as my son Shiloh, you would recognize it as my son Jonathan. Now, Jonathan's not actually my son, but in the example, he was. So it would, it would be a, dis, a distinguishing factor of maturity. But a lot of times we just read past it and we think, oh, it's just a little kid. Not true. I want you to, I want you to look in, in Romans 8. And remember, I said Romans 8 is where he talks about, where Paul talks about this right here, the, the, um, the battle against flesh and the spirit. And he comes to this statement. And you need to read it on your own. We just don't have time right now. He says, for all, in verse 14, for all who are being what? Led. You recognize that? From what we just read? Led by what? The spirit of God. What does he say? These are the what of God. These are the sons of God. Now, you, you've probably, in, in some uh, Sunday school class or, or church service, you've probably heard that we're all God's children, okay? There is truth to that. There is absolute truth to that. I'm not, I'm not telling you that that's wrong. However, that is not the word that Paul uses here. 
When he says those being led by the, by, uh, by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, he uses this word sons and this word in maturity. What that would have meant in that Greek culture is to understand this is not a child, this is a mature son. What is a mature son? A mature son is one who has been through this very ceremony and who has been given all power and all authority by his father. This is a son operating in maturity, right? So they would have read that and they would go, okay, there is a distinguishing factor in maturity from a child of God, which we are, right? Here, when this becomes alive in us, when we, re- when we receive the blood of Jesus, we, look, we are in the family, right? There's even, there's even an old um, hymn, the family of God. No, anybody? Okay. I got a great voice. I'll show that later. Was there an amen over there? <laughs> We enter into the family of God. But listen, there's a distinguishing factor. Paul says, look, it's not, a, it's not about just being family. It's not just about taking this step into, into the family. But look, the design for you is to be adopted. The design for you is to come into this maturity. And this maturity, this sign of this maturity, Paul says, is that we are led by the Spirit of God. How many Christians are led by the Spirit of God? The answer is not all of them, not nearly enough. As a church culture, we have accepted the fact that, yes, we're family and we'll stay that way, but there has been no drive, no desire for us to come into the maturity that says we are led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And look, the design for you is is not to stay just in the family. The design for you is to come into maturity being led by the Spirit of God. And it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of what? Sonship. How many, does anybody say adoption there? That's why those two are the same. This sonship, this adoption is, uh, is, is son placement. That's, that's, that's essentially the, the definition of the Greek here, is this placement of the son. You have not received a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption, a spirit of sonship. You have, been, you have received the, the very Holy Spirit to bring you into maturity in which you are led by the Spirit. And what did we say those, that maturity was? It was the putting off of the childish things, Right? And what happens in this maturity? What happens when we are led by the Spirit of God? What did, what did I say that ring did? What does it do? It gives you, okay, it gives you access to the Father. Go one more step. What does the ring do? What you said. It binds everything Yeah. It's, it's essentially like in, in our example, Jonathan, anything Jonathan does now has my name on it. All transactions that he makes. Look, if he buys a house and he screws it up, it's on me. Because he is doing business as if he were me. In Mark 16, and we don't have to go there. We're We're gonna hurry. In Mark 16, Jesus is talking about the things that will accompany believers. And he says that he talks about uh, if, in, if whatever you do in my name will be done. Essentially, I, that's not like the quote, but 
You can look it up in Mark 16. Jesus says, whatever you do in my name, he uses this phrase, in my name. Well, here's what we've done. We've, we've taken that passage and we've gone, okay, as long as I say, in the name of Jesus, before, behind, in the middle of my prayer, then it will be done. You've seen this theology out there. Every third word in somebody's prayer is in the name of Jesus, and they're asking things, and you're going, wait a minute, I don't think Jesus would ask that, right? But it's this, it's this theology that says, uh, it, Jesus said, in, anything you do in my name will be done, so all I got to do is put that tagline on it. This is, our, this is our Twitter mentality. If I hashtag in the name of Jesus, it will be done, right? You see, this is not what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus says, if you, anything you do in my name, you know what that phrase is? He's talking about sonship. Because you cannot do business in his name if you are not a son. Jonathan, in his immaturity, cannot do business in my name. It doesn't mean he's not in my family, but he cannot do business in my name. Why? Because he's not, he's not mature. Well, here's the deal. The Lord has, in this deposit of the Holy Spirit, the desire of the Lord is that everywhere we go, everything we do is, is, uh, is the kingdom of heaven on earth. We do this by being led by the Spirit of God. And when we, when we are walking in that maturity and then we use the name of Jesus, what does that mean? In my, in my name means as if you were me. Do you see the difference? This is not a casual statement. This is not a, this is, he's not teaching us how to phrase our prayers. It gives us some context around why Jesus would say that you are going to do greater things than even I did. That those who abide in me must be just like me. It's because in the Spirit, the design for you and me is to come into maturity, to be just like Jesus, what does that mean? That we are led by the Spirit. And as we are led by the Spirit, we step into maturity. And the things that we do are just as he would do. And the things that we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And the things that we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This comes in maturity. And there's a lot more to say here. And, and, and um, we are going to continue to go in depth with this. But here's the point. Here's the, the, the whole, uh, there's a lot you could get this morning, but here's what we have to get. Here's what we have to receive. That we have got to become people who are not just satisfied being brought into the family of God by the blood of Jesus, but we desire maturity in the relationship. We desire a place uh, where, where the Father would say to us, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he now, because of his maturity, how do we know it? Because he's led by the Spirit, can do business in my name, can transact as if he were me. Do you see this? I mean, don't, don't you want that to be you? <laughs> right? I mean, don't, don't you desire that intimacy with the Father? 
Don't go. Let's, let's, let's put off the childish things. See, this is significant. That in maturity, there's a putting off of childish things. I, we have refused to put off the childish things because we're, we refuse uh, to be led by the Spirit. And I'm not saying, here's what I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you know, you have to know exactly how and exactly what it looks like. That's not it. But there's got to be, today, there's got to be something in you that says, I, I want maturity. I don't, I don't want to grapple in this uh, m- mediocre Christian life where I'm just satisfied with the status quo of, of, of being present in the right places, but never, never attaining this intimacy with uh, with Jesus, right? I'm going to read you one more thing. We talked about purpose last Monday in Galatians 4. Um, verse 4, it talks about this whole this whole. Peace is talking about this, and this gets into the, the law and, and Jew and Gentile, and there's a lot to explain and divide out, uh, so that's why we didn't go there this, this morning, um, but we will. Um, but I want you to see this. But when the fullness of time came, verse 4, chapter 4 of Galatians, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, so that he might, here's step one, redeem those who were under the law. And check this out. He redeems those that were under the law so that what's next? We might receive the adoption as sons. If you read that too quickly, you'll, say, you'll think that that's one thing. That in redemption, I've received the adoption of sons. This is two different things. You've been redeemed so that you might receive the adoption of sons. You've been brought into the family because the desire for you of being in the family is that you would be led by the Spirit of God and you would do business in the name of Jesus as if you were him. I promise you, we talked about purpose last week, that the deposit of the fullness of God in you is not so you could just hang out in the family. The deposit of the fullness of God in you is so that literally you would be carriers of almighty God. And whenever you open your mouth, his words would come out. Whenever you laid hands on somebody, the power of the Lord would move through your hands. Do you see this? Your purpose is so much bigger than being brought into a family. You're supposed to receive adoption. You are supposed to be led by the spirit of God. Quit being satisfied just being in the family. Let's be people that say, I want all of the reason that you have brought me into this family. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I want to be trusted with that, with that phrase over me that says, this is my son. I want that over me. Lord, I pray that you would break in us our desire to hang on to our flesh. It is ridiculous. It is ridiculous how badly we desire to hold on to the weak and beggarly elements of the world, being held under the childish things of the bondage of our flesh when we have been set free by the Spirit of God. Break that. Listen to this. In Jesus' name, bring us into the fullness of adoption. Lord, let no heart remain unpulled this morning. 
Let none escape the examination of their Christian life that says, am I, am I walking in maturity or am I not? And I pray that in that examination, look, you said there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that there would not be condemnation, but there would be a desire for more. I pray that you would unleash a group of students, a generation who walks in the maturity of the servanthood of the Holy Spirit. Amen.